First Samuel chapter one. There was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up every year from his city to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously and irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman, and Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor, nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along, I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to the house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife. And the Lord remembered her, and in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. 
And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Guys, it's a big day. Great day. There was a time. (laughs) There was a time when the whole world was shutting down. They wouldn't let us see our people. Mm -hmm. We were all... um, made to stay in our home. They called it shelter in place, Will. Yes. I, I remember. <laughs> son, as if it was son. just a couple, as just, yeah. if it was just two years ago. Son, there was a time when we couldn't leave our houses and uh, we had to shelter in place. And, you know, we thought, how are we going to pastor our people? How are we going to minister to people? You know, mm. we, we couldn't have groups. And so one of the little ideas we came up with, we said, hey, you know, during this time, why don't we start a little Bible podcast? And I'd like to give a special bit of thanks to, in this moment to a certain Brandon Lopez. <sighs> what a guy. You, you may know him as Bropez. Bropez. Faithful Bropez would come in and record all of these. And we started this thing that we now know as our daily rhythm, which has become a bit of a staple in our church and I guess mm. beyond our church. I mean, Will was showing us some statistics. I mean, there are many, many people that listen to this every day. I know it's become a lot of uh, your regular rhythms in your life. And this today, guys, right now, is the 1,000th episode wow, of amazing. Our yeah. Daily Rhythm. I think we should thank the Lord. And another Praise special thanks. We thank Bropevs. Hmm. But we should also thank a certain Will Carlisle. <laughs> yes. Um, Will Carlisle has taken the Our Daily Rhythm mantle, and he has run with it. And uh, he's made it. He's made it into the Bible reading podcast that you know and love today. So, Will, mm, great job. Um, I totally think there's agree. a lot to be grateful for. And uh, man, 1,000 episodes that represents a lot of time studying God's word. It does. It's awesome. Um, Six thousand minutes alone last year, which is just cool to think about. But we're continuing in our Advent series, um, and you know, offspring is kind of the central idea pointing to the long-awaited offspring. And so here we are, back in 1 Samuel, after having spent a decent amount of time in it this year. We can't get rid of it. We can't get rid of it. You thought you were done, but you're not. Uh, (laughs) We're back, baby. And I I really do love this passage. Hannah is such a lovable um, person Mm. in the Bible to me, and just the earnestness and and faith in the Lord. And uh, Samuel becomes an amazing person prophet and judge of the Lord's work. Hmm. So this is where it all starts with Samuel. What are your thoughts on this passage and how it points us to the Christ? Well, two things that come to mind. Um, one that's just interesting, and this is maybe not how it points us to the Christ, but just it's just interesting as you see Hebrew narrative kind of unfolding. Mm-hmm. The first thought that comes to mind is kind of the rival wives, yep. right? <laughs> uh, which is like a a staple. I mean, obviously, to some yeah. degree, we see that with Abraham. I mean, maybe not rival, but rival mothers, rival offspring moms, you know. Mm. Um, and then, of course, the famously, you see it with Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord uses that. I mean, like with Jacob, like you could kind of argue like Leah and Rachel populate. I mean, there's 12 sons and it populates this huge mm-hmm. um, nation that Israel becomes. Of course, we see that here. So there's the rival wife theme 
There's the favored wife theme mm-hmm. that you see within that. Um, and then uh, and then you also see this theme of barrenness. So there's this whole like barrenness, yeah. rival wife theme that you've seen many times. Uh, and I think this is important because a lot of the Old Testament is concerned with the offspring that would come. So that's kind of the first thing that came to mind. The second thing that came to mind is the whole like priestly ministry. Yeah. Um, we learn more about Eli's sons in chapter two. Um, but here in chapter one, um, you know, I actually thought about this for the, the sermon I preached two weeks ago. Um, you know, she she's there in the house of the Lord. She's trying to pray. She's overcome with grief, mm-hmm. right? And all Eli can say to her is like, lay off the bottle. Woman. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> why are you so drunk? He he doesn't meet her, at least so far as we can mm. tell from the passage. He doesn't meet her with any kind of priestly compassion. Mm. Um, a couple weeks ago in the sermon, when I was talking about the priestly ministry of Jesus. I talked about the standing of Jesus. He's holy. He's without sin and understanding of Jesus. Mm. He's been tempted yeah. every way, just as we are. He understands our pain. He weeps with us. I mean, mm. you know, you even think of the, um, the Mary and Martha and Lazarus scene when Lazarus dies, there's almost a sense where like Jesus in that scene is fulfilling what Eli should have done here. He He's a better priest. He's yeah. weeping with those who mourn, with those who um, are hurting. He comes alongside them. Um, but of course, God is faithful and does give Hannah the child. And so we, we can talk a little bit more about the child pointing to Christ. But those are a couple of things that come to my mind in this passage. Well, I'll, I'll pick up on the, the rival wives theme real quick, um, because from an outsider's perspective, especially I think in this culture where having children and having multiple children would be like a very big deal from an outsider's perspective. I think, you know, the wives that are having children are, are kind of probably seen as like the blessed wives. Yeah. And then you've got Hannah who cannot have children and it actually tells us like why she cannot have children. In verse eight, it says the Lord closed her mm-hmm. womb. So mm-hmm. it's not just a, you know, a medical issue or, or a physical defect or whatever, but like the Lord has actually closed her womb. Yeah. And it's interesting that the Lord closes her womb and yet she would be the one who gives birth to Samuel. And so has this like uh, integral part to play in the overall you know, redemptive purposes of God in all of history. Um, Mm. And so I I think sometimes, you know, I think the lesson there is that sometimes we look at things from an outsider's perspective and think like, wow, this person's doing great. Like they're blessed of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, this person doesn't have something. Right. Uh, They're not blessed of the Lord, you know, and sometimes we Mm -hmm. just have a tendency to look at things with our eyes rather than like considering things. But obviously we, we see Hannah's heart as we read on in the passage and it's like, she has such a heart for the Lord, even to the point where she is, you know, almost appears to be drunk before Eli. But but it really, she's just pouring her mm-hmm. heart out to the Lord. So yeah. it's it's so much more of a of a heart matter rather than this external like looking yeah. at. And one of the central themes here is that God is a God who hears mm-hmm. people, and not just people of honor, um, not people that we would assume that God would hear from, but he hears the cries of the lowly and the destitute and afflicted. And, you know, Hannah says in uh, verse 16, I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And then God fulfills this desire and, and pours favor upon her, gives her a son. And 
I love you can see the heart of Hannah and that, first of all, she upholds her promise to the Lord to devote Samuel to, you know, the Lord's house. But she names him Samuel, which means God hears. <laughs> and I think that that is so important. She she remembers that Samuel it is proof of God's faithfulness and favor to her. Mm-hmm. And that is such a huge theme throughout Bible, the Bible, you know, in Exodus God says, or, or the Bible says that God heard the cries of his people mm. and he knew and, and he sends them a redeemer. And, and throughout scripture, the people of Israel wander from God. They begin to suffer because of their waywardness. And then God hears them and he sends a redeemer. Mm. And, and, you know, even in the calling of Samuel, which comes later, he, he calls Samuel and he, Samuel thinks it's Eli. And, you know, this happens a few times right, right, yeah. and he finds out that it's God. And, you know, obviously on one level, face value, he's calling Samuel's name, but in the original language, God was literally saying, God hears, God hears. Right, yeah, yeah. And I think that it, it puts such an interesting perspective on, you know, what God is doing and the character of God in this person. Yeah, I, 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 it's interesting to think like, how do we actually view God? Mm-hmm. And so I... What immediately my mind goes to is the Chronicles of Narnia and the fact that like Aslan in those stories, he only makes like very infrequent appearances. Yeah. And this is C.S. Lewis's way of trying to envision like how God actually is. Yeah. That like Aslan is always there in a sense, but like he only visually appears and sometimes he only appears to Lucy, sometimes he appears to all of them. Mm. And so, but it's it's and so if you had to th- think and try to think of a way to like describe how you view God. Like, how would you do that? Like, what would that look like? Uh, would it look like a lion, like infrequently appearing or would it look like, well, and hopefully a lot of times you never get to see the lion, but you do see the snow melting or mm-hmm. it's like, you see the evidences of so the lion. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. in, in this passage, Hannah is like, you know, obviously like crying her eyes out before the Lord, like pouring her heart out before the Lord. But it doesn't seem that Aslan actually comes to her. Mm-hmm. It, he he ends up answering her prayer through like her getting pregnant. Right. Yeah. And so that's how God answers a prayer. And so I don't know. Sometimes we we think of God in a way that we want to dictate how God should relate to us. Yeah. And like God should be coming to me often, mm-hmm. and like I should feel this like overwhelming presence. But really, like the way that God's answering prayer sometimes is like through these simple things, like. He right. closed your womb and now he opened your womb. Right. And that's yeah. how he's answering yeah. your prayer. So, I mean, now kind of pointing to Jesus, you know, this story does have a lot of like commonalities. I mean, I think the birth of Christ to some degree, but more so kind of the birth of John the Baptist, right? Doesn't that right. more so come to mind? Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's like a priest. Elizabeth couldn't get pregnant. There's yeah. a priest involved. There's a barren woman. Yeah. There's like a, there's a giving over to the service of the Lord in yeah. a very formal way. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of brings that story to mind and, and, and kind of in the John the Baptist kind of way, um, you know, Samuel's obviously, um, a great judge of the people and, and a great leader of the people, but then he is the one that brings about the anointing mm. of kind of the, the, the Davidic King, the true King, um, obviously also the, uh, you know, Saul, but, but he brings about like the kingly reign of the one that would come after him. Right. So. Yeah. There is a lot of John the Baptist in Samuel. Um, and then, of course, even their birth is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. And I mean, if you 
if you consider the stories that are taking place, like Israel has just come through a very dark time through the judges. And it's Samuel is kind of one of the first rays of hope after this very dark time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and Hannah like presents Samuel before the Lord. And and I would say in a similar way, like you have where the Old Testament ends Mm -hmm. and the New Testament picks up. And it's kind of this dark time. Like Israel has just come out of this exile and they've kind of rebuilt this temple and all this, but we have no indication that like the the presence of the Lord actually descends on that temple. Mm-hmm. So it was a similar kind of dark time until yeah. the light of life, mm-hmm. you know, comes on the scene. Well, and an important, you know, Easter egg in this text is it tells us that Hophni and Phineas were priests serving in this temple. We find out later they are you Jokers. Know, sleeping with women at the door of the tabernacle. Stealing this they're, out. They're, yeah, they're like eating the meat. Like the religious practices were as distorted and dishonoring to God as you know imaginable. And it was in that context that God hears mm. and he provides a savior. And you know that's what we see in the coming of Christ too, that to people who've distorted religion, who've misrepresented God, who have you know spoken out of their own hearts on behalf of God, it is to those people that God comes and brings a savior and good. So just the same to us as well. And yeah. and not to again, make the thousands episode, <laughs> thousands episode, our longest episode. There we go, there we go. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think both of y'all just make a great point. I mean, and, and if you read the book of judges, um, the end of judges, I think is supposed to say that, the people of God have become as corrupt as Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. I mean, Judges yeah. 19 and Genesis 19, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but if just read both of those chapters and you'll be like, oh, the people of God are as corrupt as the enemy nations around them. Mm. And then that's where, again, God hears. And and you could you could say that this spark of the new kingdom, new life of Israel, um, that, that kind of finds its fulfillment in David, begins here with Hannah yeah. crying out to the Lord. And in the same way... It was, you know, we talk about the birth of Christ. It's all is calm, all is bright. Uh, I talked about this in my sermon a couple weeks ago. It seems so nice, but really everything is a total disaster. And the Romans are ruling. The zealots are wanting to kill everybody. The the other religious leaders have totally sold out. They're totally corrupt. Mm. I mean, it is the worst possible moment. And that is when Mm. God, again, hears in the most profound way, Jesus enters the scene. And, and I just think like, man, for the person listening to Our Daily Rhythm, thousandth episode this Christmas season, like it may be the worst moment in your life right now. Like mm-hmm. you may be, man, the economy is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the culture is changing. You know, maybe you have some personal issues, sickness, mm-hmm. uh, job loss, whatever it may be. This may be the moment that like the Lord shines his light, mm-hmm. that the Lord hears you, that the Lord shows up in a very profound way, mm-hmm. that he begins to do something in your life and begins to use your life for the sake of his great purposes. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for all of the other 999 Our Daily Rhythms, <laughs> yeah. for Barrett Fisher and Will Carlisle, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. 
If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.